You are listening to another episode of the Yorts Resilience Podcast, and I am your host, Emma Ward, a counsellor and life coach from Positive Outlooks. This podcast is inspired by the feeling that I get on a weekly basis from working with clients and being in awe of their stories of resilience. Over time, I've felt drawn to share these stories on this platform, and I hope these stories provide you with the motivation to conquer the challenges within your own life. To listen to more episodes, visit positiveoutlooks.com.au or subscribe on iTunes. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Yorks Resilience. Today we welcome Melissa Chilton, the founder behind SR Clothing. SR Clothing is a clothing brand based on the York Peninsula, providing 100% cotton clothing and apparel. SR Clothing is family owned and operated. SR Clothing is for anyone that loves comfortable clothing from adults to children with motto of being the brand that no one should be without comfortable, stylish and affordable clothing. SR Clothing also believe in doing their bit for the planet and have made sure their packaging is biodegradable. What I find the most inspirational part of SR Clothing is the story behind the brand. After I heard Melissa share her story on her personal Facebook, I knew I needed her on this podcast and would love to welcome Melissa Chilton to the podcast. Hello, Melissa. Welcome. Thank you. So my path first crossed with Melissa at Alicia Burbridge's fitness classes, and I can still remember starting the classes and each week noticing you, Melissa, for your super fit pocket rocket vibes each week, and I'm still in awe of your ability to do a box jump now. I can't box jump like you do. (laughs) (laughs) Is fitness something that has meant a lot to you over time? Um, I think when I was younger, definitely. Um, And then I sort of, you know, teenage years kind of, was out probably partying a little bit too much, gave it up, <laughs> then, you know, had kids, so I went on the back burner. Um, but then I sort of started to think, I actually need to make a bit of time for myself, and hence the reason why I joined Alicia's fitness program, which was amazing for me, and I don't think I could do a box jump now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're even now. <laughs> so it would be remiss if we didn't discuss the celebrity in your relationship also. Did you want to tell the listeners who your husband is and what he's famous for? Uh, so my husband is Chris and everybody calls him the Coke rep, the Coke man, Mr. Coke. <laughs> so when people meet me, they say, oh, you're Mr. Coke's wife. <laughs> Not Melissa, I'm Mr. Coke's wife. So my husband works for Coca-Cola and has done for about the last 16, 17 years. Um, yeah, he's awesome at his job. He can sell ice to an Eskimo. He's just he's just brilliant at his job. So, yeah, he's um, come in handy a little bit with the help of, you know, my business creating and Riley's business. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember when you introduced me to Chris at Alicia's engagement party and you said he was the Coke rep. And I'm like, oh, of course. I remember from when I worked at the Muto Hotel and yeah. he was the, yeah, the rep then. So, yeah. yeah. Very well-known person on the York Peninsula. Yes, he sure is. So how did you guys meet, Melissa? How did the great romance start? Oh, um, so we we actually um, had a bit of family history. My um, uncle and Chris's older sister actually used to date when we were young. So (laughs) That was a curveball I didn't see coming. (laughs) Yeah, so apparently we used to hang out as 
toddlers. Um, but then we, um, I started work at uh, Foodland, which was Foodland in Barry in the Riverland. And yeah. um, Chris was there and we just got chatting one day and we all like, made the connection. Oh my gosh, like, that's who you are. And yeah, we just, we formed a really good friendship before we sort of become into a relationship. And yeah, we went together long and we'd moved up to Darwin together. And I think things just sort of evolved from there. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then did you move from Darwin to York Peninsula? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we were both with Woolworths at the time and we'd had Riley and um, I was probably more homesick than what Chris was. I just wanted to be a bit closer to family, raising yeah. raising a child. And um, yeah, so we got transferred to Kadena, which yeah. was great. So And you've been here ever since? Been here ever since, yeah. 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 And I was concerned about you, Melissa, when you suddenly stopped attending Alicia's fitness classes, as you were always a reliable and re regular attendee. I can remember that being in February 2001. Did you want to talk through what happened for you during that time? Yeah, sure. So I'd been suffering from headaches for the last sort of seven, eight months. And I just, I put it down to everything like sinus issues. I don't know, sore neck, I've been going stress. to the chiropractor, stress, yeah, gone to the chiropractor, going, I think I went to the optometrist like three times in four or five months and Chris said, how many times do you want to get your eyes checked? I don't <laughs> think it's that. Um, so I eventually went to the doctors, they did a CT scan, but while I was waiting for the results, I um, my legs just collapsed at work one day oh. and thankfully the girls um, that I work with were beautiful women and they, um, you know, made me get straight up to the surgery and my results had come back and I had a tumour on my brain. Um, not cancerous, thankfully. Um, but I, in the meantime, I'd lost taste, smell. My mother-in-law said, did I have the coronavirus? <laughs> I don't have the coronavirus. But I didn't have, yeah, taste or smell for about eight weeks. Kept having weakness in my legs all the time. Um, would lose my balance. Um, yeah, um, couldn't work pretty much for two oh, weeks. Couldn't, wow. couldn't do fitness, couldn't do anything like that. So um, got into a neurologist um, and... Yeah, I had to have an MRI scan and the first neurologist sort of said, um, you've got this white matter on your brain, we don't really know what it is, plus this tumour thing, which is fine, it's it's just there, it's not, doesn't seem to be growing, anything less. Come back in five years. And is that what they said? Chris being Chris was like, nope, that's not good enough, yeah. we need to get a second opinion. So we got a second opinion and the second opinion was from a neurologist in um, the RA and he was fantastic. Um, it was a phone consult, which I was so fine with. And he just sort of said, no, let's come back in 12 months. And he said, and this white matter, it's, it, you have the um, old person's brain pretty yeah. much. And I sort of, I don't worry about myself. I worry about other people. And I just laughed and I said, well, I work in aged care. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I didn't wash my hands properly and I to mention. <laughs> But he said, on a serious note, you need to come back in 12 months and we're going to reassess. Um, they were still sort of looking at MS because of the weakness in my legs. I sometimes still get it in my hands now. So um, it is what it is. I'm good. I um, Once I was able to mobilise back on my legs and stuff again, I tried to start walking again, like just going for walks, just building up that fitness. So I lost a lot of muscle tone and, and things like that. So um, I'm good now. I, when I get tired... I kind of sense that whole weakness coming back again, but I just stop. I have to listen to my body. I'm always a go, go, go person. And 
um, I've had to learn to stop and just rest and yeah. going. But I'm so, good. I'll so go there's there. been big teachings within the experience for you? And, absolutely. And changing the way life was operating? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, like you said before, I do believe that stress has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously there is something else going on, but I think stress contributed to it a lot. So, um, yeah, I had I pretty much changed my life, did a big yeah. whole flip from what I was and yeah change my life around and, and try to leave a lot more stress-free lifestyle yeah so. which has included changing your employment and things yeah. like that as well yeah absolutely yeah and I remember when I saw you at Alicia's engagement party and asked um why you hadn't been at classes and things like that and I expected you to say that it was your shoulder or something yeah. that you had injured and when yeah. you told the story uh, what I was in awe of the most was that you were still saying that story with your big effortless <laughs> smile like always and I'm like oh my gosh you must have been to Helen back with yeah. that experience um it was a bit scary but I think more so scary for Chris like <laughs> I say to him oh you do love me and he said of course I do like he just he fell apart like and yeah. I just did not expect that from the the last time I seen him like that was when I had Riley and I was quite sick with Riley and I was like, wow, like, I think, like I said, I worry about everyone else. I don't worry about myself. And I just sort of took it all in my stride. And it wasn't that it was a secret. I just thought people have so much other stuff going in their life. We're in the middle of a pandemic, for God's <laughs> sake. Like, no one wants to hear about my crap. Like, so I, yeah, it wasn't a secret. I just thought no one, you got your own stuff going on. And it's okay. Like, I'm not dying. It's not cancerous. I'm good. Like, I'll get, I'll get back on my feet and it'll be fine. But... Um, yeah, it was a little scary, I think, just the whole not knowing. But once I sort of knew, I'm like, okay, that's all good. We're yeah. all good to go. Yeah. Did that experience help shape any of your decision-making to bringing SR clothing about? Or? Um, so I had started thinking about doing something back in the December. And um, I think back then I thought, oh, there's got to be more to being in the job, the role that I was yeah. in. and. In the back of my head, I always kept thinking about what is Riley actually going to do when he leaves school. And I have so many people asking me all the time, what's Riley going to do? And Riley didn't know what he wanted to do. And do you want to step through the listeners about Riley with autism? Yeah, absolutely. So Riley was um, diagnosed when he was um, four. Um, he was never a cuddly baby or anything like that. He'd st he was he ate fruit up until about twelve months and veggies. Loved it. Loved would eat everything. Then all of a sudden, just stopped. And I guess it was a bit of a slow progression. And being a first time mum, I had no idea how kids were meant to be. Like I just thought, oh, he just hangs on his own. Like yeah. I'd take him to play groups and he'd sort of stand back. He wouldn't interact with kids. And it wasn't until we sort of moved down here and <laughs> Chris's nana, who I adore, she said to me what's wrong with that child? He won't step on grass with bare feet. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's, that's just Riley. Like he, I just kept saying, that's just Riley. That's just yeah. Riley. Um, sort of further along um, the kindy and preschool and childcare kept saying, he just screams, he won't talk. Like, and I'm like, okay, well, he's delayed. And then um, a lady came to the kindy and she sort of had been monitoring him and um, she rang me and she said, I think he has autism. I'm like, okay, what's the next step? Yeah. <clears throat> so we got him diagnosed at Head Start. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dr. Robin Young, she um, is a professor in autism and Asperger's and psychology and things like that. And 
yeah, we sat down with her for two hours and walked out with a diagnosis and I went into, I don't know, grieving mode for three days. Like I yeah. couldn't talk to anyone or anything. Like, um, And Chris was like, what's wrong? Like, this is fantastic. We have a diagnosis. We can yeah. get him help. And I'm like, but this is not what, it, you know, my whole thing was not that this is not what I signed up for because yeah. I love him, but yeah. um, someone once showed me a poem that I, you know, I bought a ticket to Rome and I ended up in Switzerland. Yeah. Like, that's not what I signed up for. Or yeah. that's not what we, we, when this baby came out, we thought yeah. that that was going to be. It wasn't the life we had envisaged for yeah. Rome in the future. Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything really to do with, oh, poor me as a yeah. parent. It was more, is he going to love? Is he going to get married? Can he have children of his yeah. own? Will society accept him? It was all wryly, like, how is he going to cope in this world? And... So, yeah, I, I grieved for three days and I was grieving the loss of a living child is the way that it was explained to me. Once I got over that, um, my mum pointed out that head start that we'd been to do an intervention program. Yep, yep. So I said, sign us up, let's do that. So yep. that was like 20 weeks of hell on earth pretty much. What was that like? What did they that do? Very hard. <laughs> um, they do it at a place called um, the Flinders House, which is based behind the um, Flinders Hospital. Yep. And it's a psychology-based program, which is tabletop intervention learning. So it's pretty much you walk in there um, and you have to pretty much just step back as a parent. Wow. Yep. Um, and you let the psychologist take over. And it's tabletop therapy. So it'll be like Riley learning to put a block into a ball. Do this and he's mastered that. And then it will be like build this block up or do this or what's this, what's his flashcard. So it was like that, tabletop yep. therapy, going back to basics and, and doing things like that. But it was also, yeah, stepping back and it was it was very controversial because it was restraint. They would hold his arms down, he would have meltdowns and oh, we, wow. Chris and I would have to just stand back and, and just watch. Just watch. And it was, we knew that, we knew that that was going to be and we were... We can only just give it a go. Yeah. And we wanted him to go through mainstream school. We didn't want... My father-in-law said it was breaking his soul. And I guess in a sense that Watching was Watching Riley go through mainstream school? Or well, doing the intervention. intervention. It yep. was breaking him. But it wasn't... I, I guess, took offence to that to start with. And I thought, well, that's not why we're doing it because we don't want to change him. Yeah. But we want him to function in society. And yep. we know that society can be cruel. So I took on board of what he said and not, we still persisted. Um, yep. So we did two weeks there and then we had to do 18 weeks at home with him. And Chris stepped back. He said, I can't do it. Yep. He said, we can bring family members in and I knew no one else could do it but me. So yep. it was 18 weeks of three hours a day of tabletop therapy, just Riley and I. Um, it wasn't pretty, right? Chris would come home and I would have a black eye from Riley lashing out and yep. I'd have a split lip and cuts on my face and it was him throwing things at me or because you know, he was frustrated with the process frustrated with the process having yeah. meltdowns and you know it was it was horrific yeah. um but i wouldn't change it for the world like yeah. um it has shaped him into the person that he is we didn't um change him we just yeah. we shaped him for society which is really terrible to think about it but society is cruel and Although I can say it is a lot more understanding and we're very lucky the kids that Riley went to school with were very understanding of him. So yeah, we that's what we did with Riley. We um, we did the intervention and 
yeah, I'm really glad we did. Yeah. Do you think society's become more accepting because there's a lot more awareness around autism? Absolutely. Now, as opposed to when Riley was a lot more younger? Yeah, absolutely. Like, my father-in-law once said kids like Riley back in his day were just put in homes or there was yeah. never a name. And I thought, that has so, that has to change. Like, yeah. there is a name for that. And even though we don't want to label people with, oh, he has autism or he has Asperger's or we don't want to label them, but it is that is the name for it. And it is why they're a little bit different or they do things different. Their mind works differently. And, you know, they have beautiful minds. Like, the yeah. way they think at things and see things is so different. And it's like, well, I never would think of things like that. But it's just, it's beautiful, like, the way that they yeah. think. And, you know, it should be celebrated. It shouldn't be shamed. And so, yeah, I definitely think now. And kids are, I went into the school when Riley was at um, Mary McKillop a few times and wasn't educating the kids because they would just say, that's just Riley. But just saying, sometimes he needs time out. Sometimes he'll talk yeah. out loud. Sometimes he'll flap his arms. Sometimes he'll get upset about things that you'll think, why is he getting upset about that? So it was just talking to them about that. But yeah. they were fantastic. They would say, that's just Riley. Yeah. Like, they would not think any different of him, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, so. it's beautiful, that acceptance. How did you cope emotionally moving through the tabletop therapy when that was feeling a little bit out of alignment for you at that time? How did you cope? How did you get through it? Um, <laughs> very hard. Like I felt <clears throat> very isolated. Yeah. Um, even though I had support from Chris, uh, I had support from other family members. No one actually knew what we had to go through yeah. to go through it. Like. Um, you know, and it wasn't just the tabletop therapy, it was um, getting Riley to make eye contact with you all the time and, you know, we'd go out for lunch with family and that, that would all just go out the window and I would get really frustrated going, no, you need to make eye contact with him so he knows that you're referring to yeah. him and he knows that he needs to follow these instructions and yeah. that would just fly out the window. Like, they would just go, oh, no, it's all right. And it's like, it's not okay. Like, and I would get very <laughs> frustrated but... You know, looking back now, I think, well, they didn't understand. They didn't understand what we were going through. So I felt very isolated. I felt it was just Riley and I. Yeah. Um, so I think, and hence Chris will say, that's why our bond is so strong I was going to say, like, I think that plays a role now. Yeah. The connection that you both have. Yeah, it sure does. Um, I thought that he is going to hate me for the rest of his life for the things that we had to do. and But it actually didn't. It actually brought us, like, closer together. Yeah. Really close. So, yeah. And what helped drive your belief that it was the right thing for you to do? Had you heard about the results that they generated? Through yeah, I did. Um, I did hear about the results and I just thought, we what, what can I need to do something. I'm a person that has to get into action. I'm a fixer. Yeah. <laughs> I need to yeah. fix. And not that I wanted to fix Barley, but I wanted to help him. I wanted to support him and I felt this was. Um, the first couple of days we were there, we, there was people that would come and go and I had a, a lady that come in and her child was non-verbal, like, and they were six and seven and, yeah. you know, and I just, that broke my heart because I thought, sometimes you thought, oh my God, this is so bad what we're going through. And then I'd, I thought, this is nothing. Like, we are so blessed that Riley can actually recognise who we are and say mum and dad. And, and um, I was, you know, come to tears when she actually said to one of the psychologists, they said mum and I was like are you kidding me like that wow. is amazing that's fantastic and I thought oh my god this is nothing what we're going <laughs> through compared to this poor lady like 
you know, and I went up and hugged her and I said, that is amazing. I'm so happy for you. Like, you know, I thought I had a bloody tough, but, (laughs) you know, you were amazing. Like it's, you know, and she was a single mum and she just persevered with it on her own. And so that was amazing. So rewarding, the rewarding is what kept me going. So, yeah. And I know you said earlier in the podcast, Melissa, that your father-in-law was a bit worried that the tabletop program was breaking Riley's soul. What does he think about it all now? Um, he's Riley's biggest advocate. Like he'll say, <laughs> why can't the other grandkids be like Riley? <laughs> <laughs> Which he loves them all. Um, but Riley's quiet. He's respectful. Like he, he, yeah, he loves his grandfather. But yeah, he's his biggest advocate and yeah, like I said, he thought oh, we were breaking his soul. But now he's like, my God, that was amazing what, he, what he's done, what he's able to achieve. Like, you know, every little achievement for Riley's a, a huge one. It might be little for someone else, but it's a massive achievement that he's done. He stepped outside that circle, out that square, at that box and he's achieved that. Stepped outside his comfort zone and he's done that. So it's a, a little achievement is a massive achievement for us. So And that's... I work uh, with clients that have autism and it's been one of my biggest teachings as a practitioner as well, that the progress steps aren't perhaps as big that you would see with other clients, Mm. but recognizing those small steps are really big achievements as well. It's just, um, yeah, changing the goalposts a little bit on what you're expecting. Absolutely. Yeah. And Riley really works on praise. Like if he knows that um he's achieved something he he we we praise him like like no tomorrow like we celebrate that that's amazing mate and he's like chuffed because he he's always full of self-doubt and anxiety and you know things like that so it's all it's you know we are so super proud and it's just really voicing it and really showing him how proud we are so and when you were speaking about doing the tabletop therapy at home and that sometimes you would have a black eye because of what had happened during the day, was that because it was simple repetitious task and Riley couldn't move on until he completed that task and that would create frustration for him or what created those outbursts? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was, it was frustration and anyone that has an autistic child or an adult or anyone like that understands that they do have meltdown when there's a buildup of frustration or it was yeah why am i doing this i just i want to go off and do my own thing and it was that people contact too all the time like i didn't let him have that space that i normally would he had to sit there and actually do a task and finish a task and so he in his mind this is crap like i don't want to do this like why is she sitting here making so it was frustration it was anger and you know he couldn't verbalize to me i don't want to do this anymore so it was physical aggression it was physical aggression that you know he took it out on me so yeah 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 and talk us through how sr clothing established and the pivotal role that plays for riley um so like i said before i really wanted to sort of you know do something and i think when i got sick i was like i there's more to life out there and i wanted to do something for me and back in my head kept thinking what's riley gonna do um so i said to him how about we do something together like and he said well i don't know and um yeah i i guess i'd been sort of following a few people and they'd been making t-shirts and i'm not very creative but um i bought myself a cameo machine i don't know if anyone knows what that is but it's like it's like a vinyl that you can 
create things out of this heat vinyl and this machine and you can print them on t-shirts and, and things wow. like that. So I bought this with all intentions that I was going to create this and oh, it was just so time consuming and I thought, no, I've got to outsource here. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I said to Riley, what do you think about some logos? So we sat down, we sort of sketched out together some logos and um, yeah, we come up with SR for Sophia and Riley. Cool. Um, the way for the, the beautiful beaches of the York Peninsula. Like that's where both of our kids have, even though Riley was born in Darwin, we moved here when he was two. So um, yeah, just the awareness of, hey, this is where we live. And, you know, I adore my kids and yeah, the way for the beaches. So yeah. That is awesome. Awesome. How would you describe the barriers of raising a child with autism in the country as opposed to the city? Um, there's definitely not as many services down here, although it is getting better. Um, like I said, Briley, when he left school, we had no idea that at that stage, probably year 10, we were looking at, there was actually no support service at all for when he, he left school. And in the back of my head, I kept thinking, right, so what, what are we going to do? Like, and Chris was almost like, let's buy a cafe. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> but it's got to be something that he actually enjoys as yeah. well. We can go and stick him in the job and... He's not going to be happy in working in a cafe, like. <clears throat> so um, yeah, there there isn't much. I mean, there is NDIS, and there's a there's a few things like Riley did speech therapy and OT. A lot of it you need to source from Adelaide that come down. So we don't have the services at our fingertips that Adelaide do. Like they've got such a wide variety yeah. down there. Yes, the wait lists are long and that, but the services are there. Here in the country, it's sort of either taking him to Adelaide. Like I was taking Riley to a psychology appointment once a week in Adelaide. And yes, we yeah. do have services here, but not fit for a yeah. teenager with autism, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that was really hard. Um, but yeah, we. Um, I think as time goes on, I think they are recognising that, you know, people do need more support, autism and Asperger's and neurological um, things are coming up more and more of the time in our kids. So I think the awareness is there. It's just the support that we need. So. Yeah. And how would you describe Riley's progress and growth since being part of the exciting venture of SR Clothing? Um, he's definitely still standoffish, um, like we were talking <laughs> earlier. Um, doing the markets in Kadena has helped because he, it teaches him that he needs to interact with customers. And, you know, sometimes you'll get a, a, a question thrown at him and he'll sort of look for me, at, you know, so a bit of um, support. But... Um, yeah, I think better with socialness when we do our deliveries, the local deliveries. Riley will go and knock on the door and he'll, you know, hope you enjoy your product. And, you know, so it's teaching him to interact with people that he doesn't know, which is great. So building his social awareness, building him that he has to, it's a work, it's a job. You need to show up, you need to, you know, create these orders and put them together for me. And he writes out the thank you cards and, yeah, a bit of a sense of responsibility. So yeah and how's your journey been as part of sr clothing um stressful at times <laughs> <laughs> um chris has tried to give me a lot of advice on a professional level but we had to agree to disagree that coke is a big major <laughs> production company and my ours is just a little organic business with a like. significantly larger marketing budget <laughs> i would imagine that's exactly right um it has been an up and down journey but at the end of the day very rewarding because i can see Riley growing socially with it awesome. um, and it's you know our bond is strong but I think it has brought us closer together as we're working as a team together and yes there is frustrating moments I think I just think that 
he should know these things and he doesn't. So he will admit, he'll say, yes, mum does get grumpy. And she, <laughs> she's like, Riley, what are you doing? Like, you know. But we work together, he gets grumpy at me too. But it's just, it's that working bond. And um, also in doing that, it's, you know, trying to put that awareness out there that kids with disability, they can do anything. An adult with a disability can do anything. The, the world is their oyster, you know, like get it out there like yeah 100% and I actually was going to bring that up with you because when I watched your video that you recorded on Facebook where you shared your story that was actually the, the favorite part of that video that I love that you wrote in regards to kids with disabilities the world is that oyster they can do anything they want it doesn't matter where they live or what they do or how in the spectrum they are or what their disability is the world is their oyster and you just need to find what they're good at and I really love that because I always genuinely believe that each and every one of us on this planet is gifted with some kind of talent or gift to share with this world. And I genuinely believe it's our responsibility as a community around these people, especially those in the disability sector, to help them find that gift or talent to help them shine bright in this lifetime. Exactly as you're doing for Riley with, yeah. with this project as well. Did you want to step the listeners through the markets in Kadena? Yeah, so um, the Kadena Rotary Markets run once a month. Unfortunately, January 1 was um, cancelled due to COVID. Um, but yeah, it's been a really good um, way of getting our product out there. I mean, we have a website, which is great, but this is, I don't know, anyone's like me. I like to touch the product. I like to see it. I like to see who's behind the product. Yeah. So um, yeah, Riley and I have done about three markets. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a family event. Chris comes down and helps us set up the gazebo. <laughs> Sophia comes down and, and helps. And yeah, so we're all pretty much there, like all the um, markets we've been to. Um, and it's good. It's a good way of, yeah, like I said, Riley interacting with the community and, and us getting out there as a, as a small business. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Melissa. Thank you, Emma. Thank you very much for having me. It's and been I've an honor. loved learning the story behind SR Clothing, uh, the way this podcast came about, about on December 1st. Melissa shared a story, a video story on her Facebook for, about how SR Clothing started. And I didn't know Melissa's story. I didn't know uh, that Riley had autism and I didn't know the intention behind the brand. And when I heard this story, it gave me goosebumps and I really wanted to help share this story on this platform because it's got so much power and there's so much that people can take out of this story. So thank you so much for coming along. Thank you. So to learn more about SR Clothing and to support the brand, you can visit www.srclothing2021.com.au. This brand is also on Facebook and Instagram, and I'll share the links on my social media and the, in the description of this podcast. You're an absolute inspiration, Melissa Chilton, one of the most beautiful souls I know, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Emma.